0: Hey there, fully live athlete pastor channel. It's Justin, and I'm here for day 9, day 9 of the full, of the online Bible reading club. Now, we're going to be in Genesis 23 and 24 and in Matthew 7 today. Now, in Genesis 2, I've got bad news for you. It tells us you're going to die because of what Adam did and his solidarity with all of his descendants in in breaking the covenant of works in Genesis 2, 15 through 17. He says, in the day you eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. He did, and we all die. Now, Adam didn't die immediately. He died spiritually in the eating of the fruit, but he lived 900 or so years. And you see throughout the rest of Genesis that people die. Genesis 5 is just a, an ongoing litany of people dying. You see others die, but then when you see when you get to Genesis 23, you see somebody that you've really grown to know over the course of 12 chapters who Dies and Abraham grieves over her. Isaac, the son, the promised son, grieves over her. She's been through a lot, and we've walked with her through it. She's been through leaving her land at the promise of God to go to a new land and to be a sojourner there, to dwell in tents. She left everything she, her family, and everything she knew to follow her husband and this promise that God had given them to be make them a. a a great nation that would be a blessing, the father of many nations that there is to all the families of the earth. And what's fascinating is everyone back home knew them. They knew she couldn't have any kids, she's barren. This is absurd, but they believe God, they go. And they get she lives through being given over two kings, harems. She lives through um, a rescue mission against a coalition of kings led by her husband. A lot of danger throughout this journey. And the sojourning and all that, all that they endure, uh, the visions, the worship, the, the seeing, the, the division between her only family that goes with her and her husband, Lot and Abram in and, and Genesis 13, and then in the destruction eventually of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis uh, 19. And you see also the, uh, like the, the, the promise that just goes unfulfilled for so long, that this uh, barren woman who's too old to have children is going to be, the mother of the soul crusher, Israel. She's going to see this this nation come up from her and her husband uh, that is going to be uh, the promised uh, people, uh, God's people. But they're too old. She's barren. They try to get around that by using a surrogate. We saw that a few days ago. But now, after 20-something years of raising this promised son, we saw him in Genesis 21, his birth in Genesis 21, she dies at a good old age of 120 something she dies now in this chapter you see 23 is all about abraham grieving and then negotiating for a burial land for a burial a burial place for her for his wife and he gets the burial place by spending a fortune 400 shekels of silver which is about 40 years worth of wages if you if you do the math and he does that because he believes God's promise this is his land because God says it is even though he doesn't yet own this nation God hasn't fully given it to his people yet he doesn't in fact he's not even really a people yet he has one son a dead wife and a bunch of people in his household and some camels and whatnot right he's a rich man but he doesn't have this nation that is promised right well He gets the land. Then you see the next thing is he's about to die. He's getting old. He's like, I've got to get a a wife for my son. I can't let him marry one of these women around here. Uh, That does not go well. Uh, We saw that with Lot and his sons and and their wives, right? Well, what's he going to do? He sends his servant back home, back to his previous home, to find one of his family members to be a suitable wife for Isaac. And he, in the story of 20 in chapter 24 is a really heartwarming story. You've got a grieved son back in the promised land, Isaac, and the servant goes through this long journey back home to find the wife and then he brings her home and his grief is turned to joy and he marries Rebekah. When well, the course of this whole story, Rebecca and her family, they know the story of abraham and sarah they know they know that god made this promise and here these old guys leave and go and and believe this promise well this the appearance of the servant the appearance of this man with his camel looking for a bride for the for the promised son is proof that god keeps his word isn't it it's visible proof that what god said many many years earlier is coming to fulfillment and they believe god And they send their daughter away to become the wife of Isaac. And she agrees to go. She says, I will go and I will worship this God. Well, that is the story of all of us. We are all called to believe. We haven't received the promise yet, but we have this word and God gives us pictures of its fulfillment. And when we see that in worship, we see that in the proclamation of the word and the visible and sensible representation of the Word in the Lord's Supper. We have signs that it is coming to pass, that God is keeping His Word, and we see that if God will certainly give us all things uh, to those He loves, and the sure per- the sure promise of that and the sure representation of that is He gave us His Son at the cross, and His death, death and His resurrection. So as you see that, it's a heartwarming story of grief to, to glorious re- rejoicing. Uh, In these two chapters, it's a great—it's great to read them together, 23 and 24. But as you turn to the New Testament, you see what Rebecca and the servant and Abraham and Isaac had to trust in was the Word of God. They had to discern is God's Word trustworthy or not, and that's the same conclusion that Jesus gives to his hearers in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been reading the Sermon on the Mount for several days now, Matthew 5 through 7. It's worth reading and reading and reading. But as you see, as it comes to conclusion, Jesus makes a contrast. He makes a contrast between the wide and the narrow gate, the wide and the narrow way. And he makes a contrast between false and true prophets. And he makes a contrast between those who will build their houses upon sand and upon the rock. And he says, you've got to make a choice. Don't be like the fools when the day when I come when I ask when they when they say Lord Lord did we not do these things in your name and I will say depart from me I never knew you Don't build your life upon a lie build your life upon the covenant of grace the promises of God he is the only one who always keeps his word and his promises and we, we don't we're not privy to every little detail, but he gives us enough evidence that we obviously should trust him. Will you trust him or will you trust yourself? The ones that Jesus mentions, the most harrowing warnings at the end of the, in the Bible at the end of the sermon are don't be like those who trust in themselves and, and their performance, but trust in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in him. Build your life upon him and his word and rest upon it and go where he calls you to go. You have a calling, you have a job, you have a purpose in Christ. Not your own, it's your his. All right, I hope you've enjoyed Genesis 23 through 24. Keep up at it. I hope you've enjoyed Matthew 7. We're going to work our way through this Bible together and we are going to be blessed Through the reading of his word. All right, God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow on day 10. Get ready for the Lord's day and the worship of the Lord. Peace.